0: Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, we, we are constantly showing you testimony videos. And somebody might even be saying, like, why do you do that? Well, in the last book of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation, Now, we tend to think it's a book about end times, but the name of the book is actually The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation about Jesus. And in the 19th chapter, it says this. It says that the testimony of Jesus, of what Jesus has done, is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, when you see a testimony, what God has done for somebody else, it's supposed to ignite faith inside of you To receive what you just saw happen for somebody else remember the testimony of Jesus of what he has done it's the spirit of prophecy what God did for one he will do for somebody else now in Acts chapter 1 in verse 8 Jesus is with his disciples and he says, but you shall receive power the Greek word is the word dunamis we get our word dynamite from it after the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Billy Graham said this. He said, I think it's a waste of time for us Christians to look for power we don't intend to use. For might in prayer, unless we pray. For strength to testify without witnessing. For power unto holiness without attempting to live a holy life. For grace to suffer without taking up the cross. For power to serve, unless we serve. He's saying we need to do something with what God places down on the inside of us. Jesus said you will be empowered. Right? You're going to be a witness. And, and the Greek word there, by the way, literally means one who testifies or a martyr. A witness unto death. It's not just saying that you're going to share a little bit something, but it's saying that it's going to become your purpose. You see, as a believer today, we are to seek first the kingdom of God, we are to expand the kingdom of God, and we are to enforce the kingdom of God. Now, what happened in Christianity, we look at Christianity today, and really what we have is we have a gospel of salvation. When Jesus came, this is the first thing that he said, repent for the kingdom of God. Of God is at hand. He rose from the dead. Acts chapter 1 says he spent 40 days with his disciples speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He said this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the earth. And, And honestly today for the most part the gospel of the kingdom is not preached. What's preached is a gospel of salvation. It's a gospel where our goal is to get you to heaven. And that's, a, that, that's not, I mean, how many, that's where you want to go. All right. But, but listen, God is not so much focused on getting you to heaven as he is getting heaven in you now. Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom is what God wants to do with us now on earth. He wants, through the church, to transform earth now. It's God's rule on earth now. Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come. Right? We think that the purpose of the gospel is to get us to go. We just want to leave. Heaven, here I come. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, the goal of the gospel is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Jesus' focus was not getting you to heaven, but bringing heaven to you on earth. Now, if you're a believer, you're going, we're not saying there's no heaven, there's heaven. But that's not what Jesus was focused on. He said, your kingdom come. But for most Christians, it's my kingdom come, my will be done. All right, my pleasure, my enjoyment, my desires, what, what, it's about me. But Jesus said, first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we're to seek the kingdom, we're to expand the kingdom, we are to enforce the kingdom. Ephesians 3 in verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. So so God wants to use who? The church. You and I, we are the church. The church is not a building. The church is the people. Be made known by the church to principalities and powers. That's Satan and demons in heavenly places. So God wants to show his wisdom and the victory that Jesus purchased through you. Through the church. So again, we seek the kingdom. We expand the kingdom. We enforce the kingdom. Now that's why the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Uh, This week I was, how many of you ever have, you know, you've read something a lot of times and then it jumps out at you. I had one of those in, in Isaiah 49. It says, I'll say to the prisoners, go free. And to those who are in darkness, come out to the light. You know, people that are bound, Jesus came and set you free. You're in darkness. You're not right with God. Come on into the light. Come out of there. Come to the light. Get right with God. First John three, verse eight. For this purpose, the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, if all we're doing is thinking about going to heaven instead of the kingdom coming, we just sit back and do nothing. But it's time to contend for the kingdom. It's time to enforce the kingdom. It's time to contend for your marriage, contend for your kids, contend for your health, contend for your faith, contend for your lost friends. It's time to seek first the kingdom of God and to take the kingdom. Genesis. Chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse two, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now it says it's without form. Some translations say that it's catastrophic, that there's, it's dark. There's gross darkness over the face of the earth. And in the midst of the mess, the spirit of God is there. He's hovering, but he's doing nothing. And then God said, let there be light. And when God said, let there be light, the spirit of God moved and there was light. In other words, the spirit of God was there, but nothing happened until God spoke. And in a lot of our situations, the spirit of God is there and nothing's going to happen until you begin to Speak, The Bible says in Revelation 12, verse 11, and they overcome him, the devil, and everything he brings by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. In Psalms 107, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Romans 10, 8, but what does faith say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. And of course, Joshua one this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, because then you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. You know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the gospel that he preached was not a gospel of just get you to heaven. It was a gospel of the kingdom. And that gospel Really, if you look back in church history for the first several centuries, what the the church taught was Christ the victor. Victor over death. Victor over Satan. Victor over sin. He was Christ the victor. However, with that, you had a kingdom mentality where the church was enforcing the kingdom. Where God was using the church to show forth his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers. But uh, doctrine changed over time. Uh, how many of you know that vision leaks? You know, it just leaks. And really it kind of happened to the church and it happened over a period of time. But uh, in, in 410... Rome is sacked and in people's minds, cause this is, this is, this happens to us too. In people's minds, Christianity and the Roman empire were synonymous. Right? And when, when Rome was sacked in people's minds, it was like the kingdom of God had been sacked. The kingdom of God had fallen. Uh, Jerome, St. Jerome, Uh, talks about how how, how literally he just wept and and just lost his strength and could do nothing. Well, St. Augustine, who at that time is the bishop in Hippo in northern Africa, he, uh, as a response to that, writes a book called The City of God. A lot of good stuff in the book. Um, And it's the most influential book in Christianity for a thousand years. But one of the things that happened in, in this book is he talks about, look, Rome, the Roman Empire is not Christianity. Very, very good. But then he comes up with what is commonly referred to as blueprint Christianity. In other words, uh, God's got everything planned. Don't worry about anything. Just sit back. Everything's going to work out. Now, that, that, that's not the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's not submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. It's just sit back and just let God do whatever he's going to do. And whatever he's going to do is going to be fine. That came into, that, that's really where it came into the church. And then the reformers, particularly John Calvin, took it to an even another level. And what happened was the church got to the place where we just sat back and waited to go to heaven instead of enforcing the kingdom, instead of saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And realizing that we were supposed to bring that. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine, in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Greek there is not just be filled with the Spirit, it's be being filled. And then be being filled. It's a continuous action. So it's not like you get filled with the Spirit one day, and then you're filled with the Spirit for the rest of your life. Now, you need to get filled with the Spirit every day because you leak, right? You leak, and stuff happens. And so you need to be continually being filled with the spirit. Galatians chapter five, verse 16. I say, then walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, what very often happens is this. We think that we are going to defeat uh, sin, habits, addictions with willpower. We're just going to go, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. But the Bible tells us that will not work. I mean, you may get some temporary success, some temporary victory, but the Bible says the way that you're going to have victory over the flesh is by walking in the Spirit. It's to pursue the things of the Spirit of God. Decide, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to expand the kingdom. I'm going to enforce the kingdom. It's not just resisting. In fact, even where it says to resist the devil, James 4, 7, it says, submit to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. What has to happen is, first of all, we need to be in the Spirit. We need to be living out of that recreated human spirit that's on the inside of us. Jesus gave us a great example when he was tempted in the desert by the devil. Every time the devil came up, what he did was he came with the Word of God. He said, it's written It's written, it's written, it's written. In Hebrews 12, it says to put aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the rate set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, somebody might say, well, Jesus came to die on the cross. He really didn't. Now, he did do that but he didn't come to die on the cross. He was looking beyond the cross. The Bible says he went to the cross because he saw the joy that was set before him on the other side of the cross. You understand, in the, in the, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, he is literally going, God, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but your will be done. And, and literally, there's drops of blood that are coming out of his skin. He is in such an intense battle. He wasn't crazy about the cross. He was crazy about what was on the other side of the cross. And we need to be the same way. We need to look beyond where we are right now and look to Jesus and look to the reward. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Every part of our life, it's a faith walk. Not just Sundays. Not just when you pray. But every part of our life is a faith walk. Uh, recently, I, I read a book, and uh, in this book, the guy was talking about his dog. And he, had to, he got this puppy. How many ever, ever, how many ever got a dog that was a puppy? Not house broke yet. And, and this dog was just, he just, they just could not get this dog to do the right stuff. And the dog's tearing everything up. So he sees this class, you know, six sessions with the dog trainer, You know, 350 bucks or whatever it is. And so he writes out the check and goes to the the class. And he's waiting for them to train his dog. And the dog trainer spent about 20 minutes talking to him. Never said a word with the dog. Never did anything with the dog. He thought, well, that's really strange. Came back the next week. Dog trainer talked to him. Never said a word to the dog. Never did anything with the dog. And he says, he says, I just got so mad. He says, I just quit. I just quit. She th- he says, that dog trainer thought I was the problem, not the dog. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think sin is the problem, but sin's not really the problem. The problem is our focus. If we'll walk in the spirit, the Bible says you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we're focused on the right, pl- on the right things and where to go see, in the spirit realm, we're pursuing God with all of our heart, seeking first the kingdom. The other stuff just falls off. All right. Exodus chapter 31. All that was introduction to get us to right here, okay? <laughs> Exodus 31, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called my name Belzerah, the son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God. Now, this is the first time in the Bible when anyone is filled with the Spirit of God. So you know this guy, he's going to be like a prophet. He's going to be an evangelist. He's going to be an apostle. He's going to do all sorts of great things because he's filled with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all manner of workmanship. To design artistic works? I mean, like the guy is an artisan? And and God fills him with the Holy Spirit to make stuff. And that, 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 that is literally what happens. He's gonna work in gold and in silver and in bronze. So see so often what we think is the Holy Spirit is only concerned about church and prayer and spiritual type stuff. But I want you to know that he's concerned just as much about your work. In fact, The dichotomy where we think it's spiritual when I pray, it's spiritual when I witness, and it's spiritual when I read my Bible, and it's spiritual when I worship, and it's spiritual when I go to church, but it's just stinking carnal when I go to work. It's absolutely unbiblical. It is totally unscriptural. Um, Some of you will will remember... uh, Years and years ago, there was an organization called Full Gospel Businessmen. Anybody remember Full Gospel Businessmen? Dino Shakarian was the guy who founded it. I think I heard him speak in in 1974. And he he was a dairy farmer. And he said the all-important decision for every dairy dairy man faces is selecting the right breeding stock. A quality bull, even back in 1936, cost $15,000. I think they cost about a quarter of a million today. And he said, it's like one in a thousand bulls that could really transmit all of its positive qualities when it was being, when it was being bred. And so he said, he would sit there at the auction and he said, and and they'd have these super awesome bulls come through. He said, but the spirit of God would move on them and he would just let them pass. And he said, many times I'd pick the scrawniest little bull calf in the pen He said, and I saw him develop into an absolute champion for what he was going to be used for. Now, God wasn't just concerned when he was witnessing and reading his Bible and praying. God was concerned about how he was making a living, about his work. George Washington Carver uh, had this like drive on the inside of him to really, really help and serve the poor. And he began his research on peanuts. He was known for his absolute faith in God, a cornerstone of his research, and is credited with discovering over 300 uses for the peanuts. He claimed that it was faith that held all inquiry and action accountable. He actually made a tremendous difference in the entire economy of the southern states, all because he believed God would reward those he would seek him. And he would just seek God and God would show him something else and show him something else. And his goal, I want to help the poor people. I want to help the poor. How many of you know that's part of the kingdom of God? That's part of the kingdom. Martin Luther observed, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. How many believe that? You know, we should do whatever we do as unto the Lord the best that we possibly can. In fact, Colossians 3.23 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not men. And he's saying, don't just do it when you're being watched by somebody who's your superior at work? No, do it is under the Lord because ultimately you serve the Bible says the Lord Christ. And it is a warped view to think that it's only when we're doing something spiritual, something ministry-wise that we're serving God. No, we're serving God making shoes. Serving God as a dairy farmer. In fact, I love Martin Luther. He went on and he said the 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 milkmaid that milks the cow and the 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 pastor who preaches the sermon, both equally serve the same God. Equally serve the same God. And we cannot have this mindset that it's just spiritual to do what we consider to be spiritual things. No, the Spirit of God will enable us and anoint us to do the things that we consider to be secular because all of it is part of the kingdom of God. All of it's part of the kingdom. Indora Newley became the first female CEO of Pepsi. Uh, she, she writes in 2017 about the day she became the CEO of Pepsi. She got home about 10 o'clock in the evening. Uh, family was in the living room. Her mother was working in the kitchen, and she came in. She says, I got, I got some really, really important to announce. And her mother said, go to the store and get some milk. And she said, no, no, I mean, I got great news. Her mother said, go to the store and get some milk. She says she got back hopping mad, slammed the milk, milk onto the counter, told her mother her news. She'd been named president of CEO and her mother just wanted her to get milk. Her mother explained to her, he said, when you enter this house, you are not a CEO. You are a wife. You're a daughter-in-law. You're a mother. He said, (laughs) she told him, he says, nobody can take your place as a mother. And then added, and when you come in from the garage, leave that blank crown you've got on your head out there. Look at Joshua 1.8. Listen, and then you will have good success. How many of you know if you're the president of Pepsi and you lose your family, that's not good success. That's not good success. That's why we need the Bible. It, It keeps our thinking straight. When work is your identity and you have great success at work, it goes to your head. It can go to your head. And when work is your identity and you fail, it can go to your heart. But how many of you know work's not our identity? Your citizenship, it is in heaven. You are a new creature in Christ and old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Harlan wondered if he was ever going to find what he was supposed to do. At 16, he lauded about his age and joined the the Army. Didn't work out well. He tried various uh, farmhand jobs in Indiana. He hated it. Tried being a streetcar conductor. Just didn't suit him. Headed for Alabama. Tried working with metal. He failed. Got hired as a fireman on the Southern Railroad, but just didn't pan out. He later tried selling insurance, but it didn't work either. Tried selling tires, no, nope. he said that wasn't for him. Then he tried running a ferry boat and it didn't fit. Then he managed a few gas stations, but that didn't last. Finally, he got a job at a restaurant as a chef. He said he loved it. He said the people loved him. It was really great. And about that time, he got a check from the government telling him his working days were over. His first Social Security check, $105. He decided, uh, I really like what I'm doing. I think I'll start my own business. He picked up a recipe and started cooking chicken. You know him as Colonel Sanders. He did not get started until he was 65 years old. Now, you may think, you may think you're done. You may think you're done. You're not done. You say, well, I'm retired. No, you're going to come work at church for free. You're just getting a new job. We're going to put you to work. You're just changing. You are just changing occupations. That's all. You know, and where you start may not be where you'll end up. You know, Johnny Deep, his first job was he was selling pens on the phone. Simon Carwell, his first job was a mail clerk. Sandra Bullock, her first job was a bartender. Lady Gaga, her first job was a waitress. I believe that. (laughs) Brad Brad Pitt, his first job. Look, look, he dressed up like a chicken and went outside by the road in front of a restaurant. Come on, where you you start, it's not where you end. But I I do want to end with this. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job. Well, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. It's under the Lord. The Bible says for you serve the Lord Christ. Doesn't matter what you're doing. You're a boss. Your employer is Jesus. And when you do it as under the Lord, you are expanding the kingdom of God. Jesus said it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's concerned about the shoemaker. He's concerned about the girl milking the cow. And he's concerned about whatever it is that you do. And when you do it as under the Lord, you're a part of expanding the kingdom of God. I hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.